Greetings programs, welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the movie-by-minute podcast talking about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode 9. So this is episode nine. Do you have the the name for it? And the it do you know what is the name of this episode? Scars Part One. Beck must convince Ooh. Tron to halt his revenge on Dyson. Dun dun dun. I quite and, like Dyson vacuums. Oh. I don't see why he has such an issue, but you know. <laughs> so we get a small recap about how uh, Clue beat Tron. And Tron still needs regular healing healing baths to get by, and how Tesla is still getting more and more frustrated by the renegade. So we open on a, a red guard heading towards Argon, but he's on the prow of this giant red monolith, this huge ship, but it seems to be just for him. This is the most boss introduction we have had so far. This is like oh, yeah. Final Fantasy boss level oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and i love this guy he passes through the city gates on the outskirts in the water and uh everything comes up omega level super duper top secret clearance <laughs> and uh there's a little tap that is in the in the sensor that gets routed over to tron's hideout so tron sees oh god this guy's here and he's pretty alarmed and Tron is super angry about this and it makes his scar twitch and it's Dyson. It's, it's Dyson. It's my, one of my favorite characters in this show. Oh uh, yeah. I love him. He looks a little bit like Carl Sagan to me, I think. Oh yeah. He is voiced by John Glover who always plays villains, but he seems super nice in real life. Oh, I love that. That there's, there's, I think there's probably a lot of bad guys like that character actors that are always villains that are like, you know, in real life I knit like, <laughs> yeah, like Vi- uh, Vincent he plays... Price. Oh yes. Vincent Price is another one. So, um, John Glover is Lionel Luther in Smallville and the Riddler in the original Batman, the animated, Batman, the animated series. Oh, cool. And oh, the other guy is Clancy Brown. You know, he definitely has a villain voice, but he just seems so delightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just saw him the other night in an episode of The Mandalorian. We're rewatching the first oh, yeah. first series. And then didn't even recognize him. I got to the end of the episode. My brother was sitting the whole time looking at me going, You're gonna like I'm normally really good at picking you know, especially yeah. voices. And he's like, So do you know who it is? Do you know I I I, I have no idea. I I'm totally Oh, oh it's classy. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I did the same thing when the when the credits came up. I was like, "Oh, that's oh, it was." As I thought he looked familiar, but I wasn't sure if it was the actual. I used to him without facial hair. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it, right? Yeah, he's missing the beard. He's got all that makeup on. Could have been it. David Warner is another one. Mm. He was really sick of being cast as villains because he's got a wide range and he's a good actor god he's a great kardashian though but he's so good he's just yes. so good you're just like you're just like dude just say oranges oh i get chills you're so evil what a good villain you are i know so. to the point that villains that aren't even played by david warner or inspired by david warner as i mentioned before shockwave transformers yeah Corey burton's like yeah i'm gonna make him david warner so got to make a little sidebar here into the name dyson i think uh because a lot of characters they've got a reference to computers or they got a reference to something like that like if it was made these days there would probably be a character called elon or musk or something like that like there, there's <laughs> something and so they, 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 they have nods to either something about computers or something you know a person another famous person or something like that so this might be a reference to the company Dyson, founded by Sir James Dyson, maker of the amazing vacuum cleaners that you were talking about, bladeless yes. fans, tons of other things, very technologically innovative person. But I did realize that <laughs> I looked him up and check this out. His name is, his full name is Sir James Dyson, O-M-C-B-E-R-D-I-F-R-S-F-R-E-N-G, F C S D F I E E. So that's more titles than Daenerys Stormborn first of her name, Targaryen, totally. bloody free. Yeah. Totally. Breaker so, chains. 
in order. That's the Order of Merit, the most excellent order of the British Empire, the Royal Designer for Industry, the Fellowship of the Royal Society, the Fellowship of the Royal Academy of Engineering, Fellow of the Chartered Society of Designers, and a Fellow of the Institution of Electrical Engineers. He's a comic book character. He just he, he he does it all. He really is. You see that like Reed Richards slap down that business card and you're like oh my oh damn yeah i've never seen i don't think i've ever seen a name with that many letters behind it i don't think i've ever seen an a4 sized uh, business card is this your is this your resume no those are my abbreviations oh my (laughs) god uh looks like uh freaking dna strains it looks like he's got like uh lunch with the queen every two months or something like he seems like he's very very british but also just Mm -hmm. but it's also the name of a like a dyson sphere have you heard of that? i was gonna say yeah the other thing is dyson sphere which is less related to technology but it's still kind of a geeky science fictiony kind of yeah yeah it was first put forth in a science fiction novel by olaf stapleton in 1937 and then submitted formally by freeman dyson in his 1960 paper the search for artificial stellar sources of infrared radiation so the theory between a, a dyson sphere is it's a way to harness the power of a star by building a massive structure around it encompassing it entirely and harnessing theoretically 100 percent of its energy that way uh to do that I... in a a solid way would, of course, take like the iron and raw materials of a few thousand Earths just to build. But it's a it's a neat idea. I did a deep dive into that recently because I was doing oh. a uh, I wrote a Borg Star Trek The Next Generation fan fiction and they all created a with with their ships spinning around a star rapidly, created their own Dyson sphere. Cool. And yeah, they it, it, Dyson spheres are hella cool. And I love them. <laughs> Yeah, I love him. And he, he this guy, uh, Freeman Dyson, he, pr- he proposed several variants, such as like nets mm. or a bunch of different mirrors or a bunch of like uh, like orbiting like ring world ribbons. Yeah, you know? and I like love a, that because there's, there's not just one way to do it. So I, 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 had, I could pick and choose. Yeah, um, but, but he, even he, it's, it's a shame because the one he became famous for, the hard shell around a star, mm. even he acknowledges that, that uh, the most popular the hard sphere concept would be the least practical of all yeah. of them. <laughs> and it, to the point that in May, 2013 at the starship century symposium in San Diego, he even said that he wished that the concept had not been named after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause on star Trek, we've only ever seen one Dyson sphere and it's the solid one. It's in the episode where Scotty makes yeah. an appearance in the next generation, but yeah, classic, classic. That's why See, I did my research and I respected his wishes, and I went for not a hard case bloody uh, yeah. sphere thing. Um, I love that science fiction authors are kind of like, "What if?" and then actual physicists and engineers are like, "Hmm, what if?" Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they actually yeah. take it and run with it. Yeah, I like that too. So, I mean, it's just all this to say that the name Dyson and powerful science are. Mm inextricably linked even to the f- to the to the lay person right like i feel like actually colson's not probably not a bad name for a for a program but i think if i was a program i would be called glitch it just it's just describes me so well oh man and we haven't met a program named glitch yet yeah i bags it i'm a glitch you're a glitch there you go i like it yeah sometimes i'll be on the ceiling sometimes on on the other side of the wall or i'm trapped <laughs> in the wall it's fine i've been like this since i was activated don't worry it's, it'll pass that's what i liked about the character in wreck it ralph the <laughs> what's her face there the way she would glitch vanellope. Out she, vanellope yeah when she gets angry or sad and she just starts glitching through walls and stuff i was like oh that's so cool <laughs> mini teleports i love that one. underrated uh, movie i feel I yeah i feel like out of the disney movies wreck it ralph kind of got forgotten about but nah. yeah no, no, no I love it, and I'm one of those weirdos that likes the sequel more than the first one. I've not I, actually. Se- I keep forgetting there's a sequel. It's really good. I think you and everybody else. I think it was named wrong. I think it was marketed wrong, and I can see how some people think it's tired. But was really enough Tron it. in it? Not enough Tron. That is definitely I mean, my what's one Bruce complaint. Box Lightner doing? You know what is he? Right? He's not doing Tron Uprising. That's for sure. Disney. Well, mm-hmm. he, he really wants to be doing Tron, although I think recently he said he doesn't care anymore, but he was a big proponent of it for a long time. 
He's just he's just acting cool. He thinks he's, he's he wants us to think he's that's what he's than doing. It. He's doing a little reverse psychology. I don't even uh, want it anymore. You yeah. just try and hire me. I don't even <laughs> care. <laughs> but whoever this guy is, this Dyson guy, he's been sent directly by Clue in his massive one person mini star destroyer <laughs> with top oh, clearance and to do what he wants. And Pavel is bloody jealous. He's like, how come we don't have one of those? Not that we need one, but. Like, why, why don't we have one yeah, of those big options? Yeah, he's really, it's Paige, Pavel, and Tesla are waiting for him at the dock. And yeah, Pavel's like deeply impressed. And uh, Dyson walks up and Tesla's like, I hate this guy. What a horrible person. Hello, good <laughs> no, to no, see no, you. No, actually, buddy. the wording's particular. He's so two-faced. And then, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, right, that's right. That's right. And then, uh, but then Dyson hilariously jokes that he's there to fire tesla and send him to the games oh my gosh what a hoot lol what a hilarious joke you just made and then he's like just kidding you should have seen your face i'm here for a routine checkup to see what's happening oh and also maybe see what's going on with that what do you call him renegade because the uh the animation on his mouth especially when he says that i don't know why it just felt so real so beautifully yeah. done yeah yeah i wonder if they referenced the voice actor speaking to get yeah. that exact i would hope so oh mouth movements are the hardest uh, you know watching a lot of animation lately and anime especially just kind of does mouth flaps just the same yeah. particular few shapes yeah uh, but when it's really synced up oh it just makes so much of a difference and i think don bluth was really good at that and it's a shame yeah. that he's not making any more films but yeah the mouths in don bluth movies are fantastic yeah there's an old canadian um animation movie called rock and rule <gasps> yes it's really, really, i haven't really thought about it in years yes <laughs> fantastic film but the main character mock is sort of a loose combination of like lou reed and mick jagger and yeah, mick jagger, yeah. but he's got these giant prehensile full lips and when he introduces himself he's like hello i'm mock <laughs> and his yeah. lip his lips do this giant this whole thing but just with the m they're they're just he somehow does the worm with his face yeah (laughs) mexican wave with his face (laughs) so a well animated mouth is really really goes a long way in an animated film love it but this means that clue knows about the renegade now so tesla's in trouble with clue's top lieutenant here and that's who dyson is and now uh looks like tron and Beck are Batmaning again. <laughs> yeah, Tron's got a murder boner, and he's not really hiding it. <laughs> no, he's not. And also, we get this moment where like Tesla, Page, and Pavel are united now. They're kind of like, okay, we got to do something about this guy. They're like, they're all kind of, they're not at odds with each other. It's got an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. So now they're all pals. But yeah, yeah enemy tr- mind, tr- love it, favorite trope. Yeah. <laughs> but now Tron, yeah, like you said, he's very much into kidnapping and killing <laughs> killing dyson because he's like we got to kidnap dyson and bring him back here and beck's like yeah but getting his disc would be easier because if we kidnap him then he'll know who we are and then then what'll we do we'll have to like yeah that would be bad we'll right? have to kill him and then right that's, that's not what we're about right and tron's like don't you worry about that i got bigger plans you don't need to know about it so he's so that's a real fine how do you do they were all trusty trusty and buddy buddy and now tron's like it's need to know basis and you don't need to know so get out so i don't know tron really vacillates between father figure and like jerk boss or whatever he's not uh oh no that's still dad mode i mean depending oh, on your dad but yeah. suppose so yeah i suppose that could be yeah that could be one of the uh one of those things too <laughs> not good cop bad cop good dad bad dad Good dad, bad dad. And Beck, uh, <laughs> Beck notices that Tron's scar is worse. And, then and we, we get a... sarcasm from Tron for the first time. Like, gee, I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. We get a sweet transition flashback where we got the Bruce Bachleitner's scarred profile. And then it fades to Bruce Bachleitner's not scarred profile. So with here shorter he is hair. With shorter hair, before the scar, in the white suit overlooking I don't, a cityscape 
I don't understand why he doesn't go into the healing chamber through this episode. It's like, like what's that going to accomplish? They don't. You see him touching it with his hands, and then his scar heals a bit, and then he takes his hand out, and his scar gets mm. worse. And it's almost like, I don't know, maybe it's like you've got a, uh, you've had your wisdom teeth pulled, and you just can't help tonguing the hole or whatever, even though it's painful. Like, or or maybe it's one of those things where, like, now that Dyson is this close to him, he's like, let it, let it hurt me. I want the pain flooding through me. Like, maybe, or, yeah, I don't know. That's how I read it. There is a bit of a self-harm quality to it because uh, it doesn't seem like the regeneration cycle takes that long. It's not like he would have been out of commission for more yeah. than a few minutes, maybe. I don't know if yeah. it's just that on edge. Like, no, we can't even. I can't even make myself be vulnerable for thirty seconds. I was kind of. I don't know. It was either way. It was like either he. Either it's not working anymore. Either the healing baths aren't really doing what they they're supposed to anymore because the scars are just they're getting worse and worse. Oh, he does heal at the end, so yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so there you go. But uh, so here we go. Tron just We're... wants to heal and feel like he's close to something real and whatever other <laughs> Lincoln Park lyrics he can think of, right? So we we we're in the past now. We're in this flashback and. Tron's standing there, and Dyson walks up behind him, and they're pals. It's always and... so bizarre when you have... So this is, a, it is a set in a timeline we are familiar with from Tron Legacy, but oh, there's this other character who was actually there on the sidelines the whole time. You just didn't the see him. We just didn't time. Mention... And Dyson has no red on him in this flashback, so you know he's not a bad guy yet. Not yet. Not yet. So they're talking and... about... The ISO problem in this flashback. Yes, so he's uh, Dyson is not on board with the ISOs, and that doesn't really improve. But at this point, he is <laughs> taking Tron's advice and going, "Okay, yeah. well, these are your orders. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll roll with it." Like Dyson's dubious, but Tron is very much like cohabitation is possible. Programs be programs. There's going to be some friction. We can figure it out, but they're getting... Yeah, he said that programs are designed to be competitive, and that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting take. I'm like, oh, are they? Okay. Some are, yeah. I guess. But they assemble yeah. they assemble a team to go deal with the small little outbreaks of ISO tension that are happening around the city. Like they're the police or something? I'm not really sure. This might yeah, be Yeah, back... and these costumes look a little bit like what the guards end up looking like all the plugs and stuff all over but they're not orange yeah that's right and it doesn't look like the purge has started and i'm not sure who Mm. these guys are in the elevator we've got like a tall blonde guy uh an asian guy and a woman and again they've got the bold innovative unique faces and body designs on all of them i really nothing generic about anyone i don't want to see any of these people die please let us meet some cool people that don't get killed immediately (laughs) And the five of them are in an elevator and they're quipping with each other and they're maybe, oh, this is a, yeah, this is a team of friends and they go to quell the trouble with the ISOs around the city. And they've been given specific orders, stop the mob, but don't use deadly force. And they've all got Which, each other's. I mean, I hope so. Jeez. Yeah. They've all got, they've all got each other's backs. They're all, uh, they're all old friends, but they're like, don't draw your discs, only use armor. And uh, they're like, some of them are like, what? Dude, there's like hundreds of them out there. Are you kidding me? And it's like, just, it's important. And Dyson's like, you heard them. No discs, you know? And so Dyson's totally got Tron's back. They're all super big pals. And the five of them drive their sweet old style light cycles to the site of the ISO disturbance. And the ISOs... Ha- really great design. I think this is the first time we've seen them. Yeah. When they're not disguised, you know, Cora is obviously wearing yeah. just normal program stuff. But yeah, uh, it- it's like tribal. I think it is very dark brown, the clothing yeah. that they're wearing. And that's the first time we see an instance of any neutral color on the grid. That's right. And it's. Ah, I love it. It's really oh, and the the circuitry. It, it doesn't look like normal program circuitry either. Yeah. it's just, they, they've really thought it through. I love it. They really have thought it through. Like this, it's 
it's on their skin and it's more apparent that they're wearing clothes right and it's like, fascinating by revealing more skin it, it makes something seem more primitive more human yeah. i guess organic yeah yeah more organic and it's like well, the one thing that really struck me is that it's not like sexy or skimpy you know no it seems it's... like the uh the isos aren't comfortable with having nipples out even for the men <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> little but modesty like, band uh, there vests and shorts instead of leotards you know and like those they're almost like gun holstery kind of looking things just these sort of you it know, reminds s- me of zion in the matrix sure yeah, I was. Th- I had the thought that it almost looked like uh, rags on a on a beggar, kind of almost too. Like there's something, mm. something poverty about them. Uh, something, yeah, something like Zion for sure. Like, or, or Kanye West's uh, fashion line, where it just it looks like you've just come out of a post apocalypse, but you're paying two thousand dollars for a shirt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 For sure. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Because they don't. Yeah. They don't look. Yeah, they they just yeah they got a really cool look to them, so I was I was looking forward to seeing what your take was on these costumes with all your uh, with your costume history there. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, yeah. two years at Whopper paying off. <laughs> <laughs> so the bikes all turn up and uh, our crew dismounts. Tron's bike isn't white, which I thought was kind of surprising at this point since he's got the it's white. It's in the shop. On. It's in the shop. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then they all stand up and that really cool blue armor shows up on all of them. And it's great because all the crowd of programs, the the non-ISO crowd of programs is like, it's Tron. Oh, my God, it's him. It's Tron. Oh, it's the guy. It's Tron. Like they're, they're like, Leopold, Leopold. It's Leopold. They're all, uh, they're all, they all whisper. So he's famous still. He's, then, he's, is he the oldest program? I think he is. Uh, if... Dumont isn't around anymore, and Yori isn't around anymore. Then yeah, he's the oldest. Why don't one. we know what happened to them? Come on, Disney. Exactly. They should do that. Although it might be a little sacrilegious. Tron Three's happening. Yeah. Maybe I should. I can. I can get a work work in as costume, well, David, but secretly I'll be altering scripts. Don't you worry. David Warner's still around, but Bernard Hughes passed away a while ago. Quite a while ago, I think that was still deep fakes. Deep fakes, but deep fakes with a person who died. Mm. Uh, they did it with Princess Leia. It's the future. I'm sure that'll yeah. happen more and more. As we Death know. doesn't exist anymore. It is merely a concept in your own mind. Dirty Dancing Six, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, so Tron is preaching that Flynn intended the grid for all programs, right? Not just one type of programs that i'm kind of like mm, did he though <laughs> i don't mm. like in the beginning he just broke in to steal his plans back to get rich in the real world so i'm not really sure i mean are you that's... saying that programs are deifying a, a user inappropriately <laughs> yes that is what i'm that's what i'm daring to suggest here which is uh, probably <laughs> what they do so that day say something so true and controversial. <laughs> Tron uh, Tron shames him into subservience, and everything looks cool, and everything's cool, and that's when the episode ends. It's a really tight little small ten minute episode, which I was uh, yeah. really, really pleased to see. Yeah, it's just nice to see in one of these sort of genre stories that peace can be accomplished. It doesn't yeah. just go on forever, and yeah, you no know, ISOs are pretty cool, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> so we see a disc come shooting out of the ISO crowd and it derezzes one of the quote unquote normal programs or whatever. And we can see a, yeah. a shadow, a shadowy figure behind it. the ISOs dash away. Yeah, doesn't look like a half naked figure. So hmm, no. probably dun, a dun, program. Dun, dun. But the fragile piece is broken. Tron's team grows really cool. Riot shields and Dyson is still yelling, "No discs, no discs!" at the team. I love the uh, the riot shields. How they actually take damage and pixelate. Yeah. And, yeah, chunks get taken out of them. They don't just like malfunction. They get like, yeah. They have and... really thought this through. I love this show. Yeah, me too. I actually haven't looked up what this animation company has done beyond this. Oh, I should look that up too. I think they were Vancouver based. But uh, I have to do some research see. on that for the next episode for sure. Yeah, I'll make a note for that. Uh, but the big blonde guy pulls out his disc. He was the guy that was complaining about it in the elevator. And the crowd, um, 
the crowd is literally massacring the isos because the crowd has discs but the isos don't because they're naturally occurring right yes i was gonna ask about that because cora has a disc so is that a fake how does that work i'm not sure how that works because that's my question too because the isos don't have discs then what's going on with cora but cora was heavily augmented and worked on by uh by flynn so yeah it wouldn't be so hard for him to just make that up for her some some fake credentials if you will i think you can slap a disc because he does repair cora in legacy using her disc right so Mm. i think you know you can put a disc on an iso they just don't get born with them yeah they just don't really need it (laughs) No, they don't really need it. But this is a good a good example of a crowd being dumb. None of the ISOs even have discs, and a disc came out of nowhere and hit you. So it wasn't an ISO. You Mass idiots. hysteria. Mass Dogs hysteria. and cats living together. <laughs> living together. So tries, Dice, Tron gives Dyson the order to fall back just as a disc comes out of nowhere and catches Dyson right in the face but it doesn't de-rise him he's fine he's still alive he's really messed up though oh my gosh yeah hoppy's face is missing it's really yeah it's really not good it's really cool when programs take damage to their face uh i think you see it happen to tron at some point where his eye is still kind of moving around but it's all pixelated and reflective and ah, so cool so cool and then we cut back to now and tron is still surveilling dyson talking to page and pafel and uh <laughs> and tron is like welcome to argon old friend and like hmm. tron is like really salty about this guy oh yeah we haven't seen him yet we haven't seen him like this yet in this uh in this show he's like livid even even bruce boxleitner's character in tron and tron legacy is gentle and chipper and Mm. above board you know even in the final fight in 1982's tron he's like an avenging good guy we don't see him this consumed with revenge and the need for murder it's really unsettling (laughs) yeah and i would love to hear what bruce has to say about performing this character over the years and and especially in this context but yeah when you have characters like here luke skywalker's tron optimus prime those guys who are just supposed to be so pure so good and then they they get to a breaking point where they're just like nah enough is enough you know i i think i've tolerated and been patient enough and this is my line and just seeing how those sort of characters adapt to it and it's always scary it is always or at least in the case of luke we just go oh damn wow life has not been kind to you oh yeah for sure when he's like who cares yeah (laughs) you're like uh luke luke are you okay yeah i've heard the 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 saying beware the fury of a patient man Mm. or something like this this is kind of like you know, if somebody's like a basically a really good person, the person you can always count on to be good, or the calm center of every room, if you've got a committee where everybody's at each other's throats, and there's that one person who's always the voice of reason that once the dust settles or there's a break in the conversation, they're like, okay, everybody, we're all on the same page. Let's just take mm. a deep breath, and it works. Yeah. You know, like well, and, but the going. moment that person raises their voice, like, oh. Oh, we've done. Yeah. we've done a wrong. Yeah, when that person is like, "All right, look," you're like, "Oh, geez, he does this yeah. once every nine years." Okay, like this, <laughs> things have really gone off the rails, right? Or so that's uh, that's kind of what I'm feeling about Tron right now. I, I'm not liking this vibe, and it's really Daddy, me you up. okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Tron is uh, training Beck in the. Uh, kidnap dyson sim and beck's he sure a, is oh my sure lord is. beck's getting a little chippy because he's been an at it all day and tron keeps making the test super hard and he's being really weird about it too like beck's like that hurt and tron is like shut up and keep testing you know like it's it's getting pretty pretty dark you know yeah and i noticed with combat in tron that it's not a particular style in any of the movies or games or shows 
it's just kind of flippant. Oh man, I You're cannot just... identify it with anything. But you are kind of blowing my mind because they hit they hinted at it before when Paige asks Cora, "Can you show me how to fight?" Because mm. Paige seems like a pretty good fighter, but she's all like, "Hey, Cora, can you teach me how to fight?" Because I like your dope moves, and I think I would love to see like a uh, like a disc judo you know or yeah. like some sort of like if there's are there martial arts in the grid where they're disc dependent like in the same way that someone can train with a staff or someone can train with a a sword or nunchucks i'd love to see them being able to to train with a disc or two discs yeah it, i'm surprised they didn't do that as far as i can tell you know having done tron legacy i never found any sort of martial arts experts that they got involved there's no oh. one creating a unique fighting style for a disc but that would be great why not there's got to be one i think there must be one that semi exists because they've seen like circular sword weapons from back in the day mm. right i don't know if they base a whole martial art around it but you think mm-hmm. there'd be some fighting styles that would be akin to that but yeah in legacy and in tron it seems to be gymnastics basically yeah. how Just many how flips. many flips right yeah how many half twists can you do spinning and flipping spinning and flipping so we uh we joined dyson and he's flying over argon with pavel and page and dyson's calling argon a quaint berg and, i love uh, the way he's the line delivery there beautiful yeah it's real i love this guy pavel's pretty into it hoping for a promotion he's trying to enlist page's help page doesn't care she's like pumps the brakes sends him into the windshield she's like nope don't try to enlist oh, me i love it. it's like can you imagine what we could accomplish together yeah i can and it disgusts me and then she just yeah. pulls on the brake <laughs> so good so good oh uh animation note i just noticed that i forgot to mention when uh beck is fighting the simulation of dyson there's this great bit of animation where he knocks dyson's disc out of his hand grabs it with the same hand that he's already holding his own disc and then fights the and can just fight the guy he says ah ah so good that's fantastic i love that i love that attention to detail in all the battle sequences i never became an animator like i wanted to as a child but at least this information is coming in handy somewhere yeah you've got the eye for it then we got another flashback to tron and dyson and now they're standing above an entire crowd of isos i don't know how dyson is alive because he we get some close shots of his face now and about a fifth of his entire head is missing (laughs) yeah i don't know well i mean i guess they don't have brains they don't have any of the same risks that we have when it comes to injury so i think we've seen people take smaller wounds and get entirely derezzed it's whatever the plot needs that's whatever the plot needs but he looks like a digital version of some of those like world war one facial war wounds you know old black and white pictures where somebody has like their jaw missing and they're still like he got phineas gauged he got phineas gauged yeah yeah you know the guy with the big old pipe in his head and he survived yeah oh yeah yeah that guy yeah and but that guy also right he became a different person after that wound right oh and that's what's happening here man that's what's happening to dyson dyson is like hey how about we massacre all these isos we should probably kill them right we should destroy all the isos (laughs) hey i think isos are the problem should we destroy everybody like it's like whoa 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 you were a little dubious half an hour ago or (laughs) yesterday or whatever but now you you don't care he does not care he hates their guts yesterday could have been half an hour ago depending on how you quantify time in the grid versus the real world yeah. for sure the tron's trying to get him to see race to see reason but yeah. dyson's going full racist he's saying that no but look at their light lines they look unnatural programs yeah. that weren't, programs that weren't programmed to do something serve no purpose like he's really going full-on not not co- light lines mean something to them like what does that communicate yeah i wonder because they've got it could just be in could just be an appearance thing of you know if someone has an asymmetrical face in our world it's like well that's weird for some reason it's off-putting uh could be yeah maybe there's something uncanny valley going on about the lights on their body that makes them go i'm really unsettled by that i don't like it you know Mm and uh clue makes the most clue entrance that clue could possibly do oh my gosh 
just parting the sea of isos on his motorcycle looking like a boss slowly Maybe not as much of a boss as dyson uh no dyson well this is early on i'm sure later i think he wins this episode i don't think anyone's surpassing dyson no nobody's surpassing dyson so and then there's again a great crowd shot with all of these unique beings and there's like there's no wonder that this episode's a two-parter because they really put a lot of effort into it i wonder if this was kind of like a flagship sequence where they're like okay Mm. all animators on deck for this crowd sequence because once again tons of unique well-realized faces and programs are in this crowd so clue walks up to them saying well i see i love the color palette on the 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 isos it's not the same as the programs they've got this very soft champagne taupe color going on it's beautiful that's wonderful you can tell at a glance oh that's an iso yeah, and they're very ethereal. Yeah, yeah, they look magical, right? They, they, they've got this really cool look to them. Digital I, elves. I wish, yes, that's exactly what they are, and I want to see them explored more. I'm sorry that we've only touched on them here and there, but I want more. Why the hell is this time period on the grid just in flashbacks and everything? <laughs> right? Why didn't you just frickin' vote? I don't want frickin' Sam Flynn. I've said it before. I don't want him. Take him back. <laughs> I don't have the receipt, but just take him back. I don't want a refund. Just take them back. <laughs> Just give me more Tron and Dyson and Clue. So these guys are standing on a platform in front of all these ISOs, but then we get a reverse shot to see where they're standing, and they are standing on the balcony of Flynn's Arcade in the grid. Love that reveal. Such a great reveal. And this is where Flynn uh, beams in from his uh, from his you know IRL port into the into the grid and uh he's late <laughs> i think always because clue says oh i see flynn's on time as usual but he sounds a little uh, uh sarcastic so great flynn, likeness by the way oh i love it i just love it there the, the caricatures here are fantastic and i'm really happy to see it it's not as extreme as bruce boxliner's uh character design but they really do manage to capture his likeness mm. with a few bold strokes and uh yeah so as i mentioned i think i mentioned the last episode or maybe it was off air i don't know but uh yeah he's voiced by fred tattershaw and oh my god spot on absolutely you'd think it was jeff bridges wowie i did i didn't know it was not jeff bridges they really really nail it that guy good that's i think that takes more talent or at least more observation skills is to be able to do a very neutral natural voice not doing something over the top you yeah, know, just doing yeah. Natural speaking voice. He's not doing an impression of Jeff Bridges. Well, I mean, I guess he is literally doing an impression of Jeff Bridges, but he's, he's not like, yeah, Figuratively he's not doing, doing an exaggerated, uh, you know, impression. It's kind of it reminds me of, you know, the song, "Be Prepared" in The Lion King. Oh, of course. So, about three quarters of the way through that song, Jim Cummings. Yes, that's right. It switches from jeremy irons to jim cummings because jeremy irons was having some vocal troubles and i had no idea and even when i know that at like three minutes in it switches from uh jeremy irons to jim cummings even knowing that i can just barely hear it yeah jim cummings i think he also did was he winnie the pooh i think he was in winnie the pooh but yeah and i think he did tigger as well yes a character i am compared to Quite a lot for some reason. <laughs> well, funny. I'm the only one. That's the best thing. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, so Flynn is like super into the ISOs. He comes out and he's just yeah. like, oh, I mean, who yeah. wouldn't be? You, you create this program as like, you know, like a Petri dish and then suddenly things start growing in it. Like I'd be excited. Uh, yeah. Basically miracles, right? I'd be like pretty yeah. into them. So Flynn. Flynn's- I'm a god, you know. Yeah. I know. I know you programs were always saying it, but now, now I believe it. <laughs> no big deal. And I've always, I had this idea that maybe they, he was responsible for them because he he dips his disc into the energy pool in the in the crystal cave in 1982. Uh, oh yes. Oh so yeah. So I was thinking that like with Ram and Tron and Flynn dipping their hands into this primordial pool that Oops. they 
create uh, a chain reaction that ended up oh my god tron is prometheus it all yeah. makes sense yeah <laughs> tron is prometheus that's what i that's what i figure happened because time moves quicker in there so they had time to evolve yeah um so there is a comic that they made to tie into or like a, a prologue yeah. to legacy that's right and it sucks but uh, yeah. it didn't have to you know i'm reading i reviewed it on on legacy minute and i'm so you can tell i'm so frustrated it's like you could have done anything but no it's just very it's it's from flynn's perspective of oh you know i I, i'm married now i have a kid trying to balance that with being a literal god in this virtual world and i think you could have really gone way more in depth with it obviously it's just some cheap throwaway tie-in yeah, thing but i like yeah because i ordered that and i read it as well in, in preparation for doing the movie by minute of uh, tron but I, I feel the same i wouldn't you know i wouldn't go to so far as to say that it's garbage but it is kind of like well <laughs> well the art this, was garbage i will could, stick to that <laughs> this could have been more this could have been more for sure yeah because psychologically flynn fascinates the hell out of me because he goes from this very wholesome cool chill guy and then he's put through these very life-changing situations and what does that yeah. do to someone who starts out very human and then becomes something else by the end and yeah i think well especially in that that tie-in comic what i would have explored is when you're a, basically a literal god in this virtual world it must become harder and harder to even derive satisfaction from your real life right or yeah you know does the virtual world remain feeling kind of fake and does he in this scene here especially actually he seems kind of aloof and not taking things seriously i mean he's not a guy who takes things seriously in general but you know when he's told that dyson you know he's this horrific wound on his face oh yeah dyson was uh harmed in the line of duty and Flynn's just so like huh cool anyway it's like you you could you could fix him you could say thank you for your service you could yeah no nothing he seems to be kind of a dick he's kind of he doesn't have that emotional connection to everybody on the grid the grid is just kind of his playground it's this experiment like he, he he's he's lacking an emotional connection he's fascinated and super into everything that's happening but like you said, you know, like somebody comes to, he could be internet Jesus and heal everybody. But in fact, he's just like, like that's, I mean, this is what happens, right? Like, so Clue and Tron are telling him about the troubles that they've had with the ISOs when Dyson speaks up saying, oh, hi, excuse me, I'm raising my hand here. I'm a security program that you wrote. Um, mm. And I want you to do something about the ISOs, you know, like do something like final solution, kind of do something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They pervert the grid. They should be erased and please take them out. I think he's got some brain damage. At this point, I'm like, okay, that disc penetrated something pretty vital. He's because not okay. <laughs> he's not okay. He's like, this goes beyond they hurt my feelings. This goes beyond look at my face. He's turned into somebody else. And he's just coming right out and saying this to Flynn. He's like, hey, excuse me, God. I got to yeah. tell you something. And <laughs> This this fraction of your creations have have they've got to go. So yeah. if you could do that and right now, I, I, the ball's on this guy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just cool our jets. But Flynn doesn't even care. Flynn yeah. is like, ha ha. Oh man, what a hoot. Nah, they've got every right to be here. Anyway, as I was saying, and Dyson has this face like, and that's when I decided to kill God. You know, like he really. <laughs> um so there is at at about 14 30 into the i was gonna say the minute in the episode um that ah sadly flynn's eye his right eye glitches out and the eyelids too closed that's the one animation flora found in nine episodes but oh guys oh well there you go you tried um yeah, that stuff. Like just this minute alone has more to to it than in some entire episodes and entire shows of yeah. you know, other things. Yeah, and oh yeah, just all the impl- implications are so fascinating. And yeah, and I especially like the-, the psychological side. 
Yeah, the psychological side, and I like that this whole, like, 1982 is from, arguably from Flynn's point of view, uh, mm. you know. Yeah, isn't it neat? We're in this magical land. And then yeah. Legacy is from sort of Sam Flynn's point of view. And this is from neither of their point is, points of view. Like, Flynn is a walk-on character here. Mm. That just He shows up, I think, maybe in three of the episodes in person. And this is one. So. And this is one of them where, and he's a jerk. He's this aloof jerk. Like, yeah, he he. It's like the bad things about the dude. You know, yeah. He's, he's got he's this philosophical. That's just like your opinion, man. He's got this like go with the flow, sure, man. Everything's cool, but then it's like, no, look at my face. Mm. <laughs> you know, like. And actually, that's something I wanted from Flynn in Legacy as well. Because I think that the re- when they reunite, Sam and Kevin, it's not enough. I would have loved it if yeah. Sam was deeply hurt by feeling abandoned, even though it's not technically Kevin's fault. But, I mean, it kind of is. But, you know, I think there should have been this kind of frustration with his very chill dude attitude of just, can you just take this seriously for once and actually yeah. Yeah. own up to something? Yeah, yeah. there could have been more there for sure because it's like pretty deep waters going on there emotionally that were kind of just you know what dad i think you're a jerk and that was kind of that was kind of it and for tron i would i'd love to delve into his psychology more as well just that idea of he wasn't created by flynn he's been brought across from one version of the grid to another yeah he's he's seen behind the curtain so there's less of that mysticism and, and religiosity going on there for him He's friends with Flynn, but at the same time, Flynn, especially here, doesn't seem to see programs as people. And there's yeah. something deeply unsettling about that. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's like, uh, like if, uh, yeah, like you, if you're, if you're, if you're, lieutenant in the army is like, yeah, we'll just send this troop over there to soak up all the bullets, and then when they're out of bullets, then the rest of you go in. And, uh, ah, you mean Russian military <laughs> tactics? Yeah, right. Where you're like, wait a second, what was that first part again? It's like your, strat- your strategy is going to work, but these are mathematically, you know. So, <laughs> but that's uh, I I think it's probably happened. I can't think of a specific example. Probably Transformers. When in doubt, probably Transformers. But just that idea of you encounter an alien and you befriend them, and then you have this realization that oh, I'm a pet. You don't respect my opinions or my agency. Yeah. I'm just a pet. And yeah, oh, oh, very upsetting. Very upsetting. There's a, a very good book called The Sparrow that was kind of like that. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. Uh, Tron... I think it is somewhat related. I, I have gone on great attendance on other podcasts. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It is It is somewhat related. <laughs> but there's, uh, yeah, there's a book called The Sparrow where uh, there's a, a Jesuit priest that wants to send a mission uh, to another planet. Because they, they they discover life, and so they're like, let's send a spaceship out there. So they land. Everything goes horrifyingly wrong. They get he gets sort of taken into uh, one of the aliens' houses, one of the alien kings' houses, kind of thing. And uh, they like scar him, and he's like, a, yeah, he's like a pet. He's like a really cool trophy. Right? Yeah, he's he's like, oh, cool. I get to like talk to these people and find out their philosophy and they're like, uh, no, you're, you're like our, our, our play thing. So oh, Planet of the Apes. The Tim Burton one where there's a little girl kept in a cage. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. I guess that would happen. So we got the flashback ends and now Tron is back in his domain. And this is that scene I was talking about where he's like testing the bathing chamber, the healing bath chamber where he's like, it's a really puts, beautiful shot. Put, puts a finger in, his scar starts to disappear, and then he takes his finger out, and his scar comes back. And I'm like, "What are you? Are you just picking out a scab here? Like, what are you? What I think are you doing? so." But then uh, somebody enters the chamber and flips a sticky grenade onto Tron's disc, and then reverses gravity in the room. So Tron is now glued to the ceiling. And his disc is right beside his head with a grenade on it. So he picks up his disc with the grenade on it and hucks it out of the room. I like and... that gravity is just a simulation and it's not really a permanent constant. Yeah, but that you can hack it. 
that you can somehow hack it and turn it off, mm. right? I want more hacking, which is why I love yes. Dyson. Oh, excuse me. So, turns out it was Beck the whole time. Beck walks in, proving, trying to prove to Tron, look, I I turned off the gravity and I threw a grenade onto your disc and you threw your disc to me. That's how easy mm. it would be for me to get Dyson's disc. That's all you need. Kidnapping him is unnecessary. So let's mm. go with my plan. And Tron is like, you do that again, I will cut your head off. <laughs> you know, you are not my friend. And if you don't do this, you come back here with Dyson or don't come back. Right? I and love I love Bectron drama. Yeah. It's awesome. So Yeah, and so here Beck is absolutely doing the right thing and proving, yes, I can do this in an ethical, non-violent way. It's a great uh, plan, too. It works like a charm. It's a great plan. Yeah. And, no, Tron is just out of control right now. So They seem to swap these roles often. It's like, no, Beck, don't use the super-powered disc to do murders. Now now Beck's in the same situation. It's got to go back and forth, I guess. But now Back we see, oh yeah. hey oh we see uh, we see Dyson walking around Argon with Paige and Pavel and Beck. Every time I see the Argon logo, I think it says Activision, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> we see uh, Beck perched above them on one on the like the G of Argon, and Dyson uh, Dyson senses him. I was like, wait a second. Yes, how the. We've never seen these abilities before. He goes no. full on detective mode, Dark Knight, friggin' no. and I can I, see I, footsteps on the ground. I can't get enough of it. This is one of my favorite parts in maybe the whole series is when he crouches down on the ground and touches it and white footprints show up. These are Beck's footprint and they, they show up on the ground and they all kind of go forward to a little uh, sewer grate kind of a thing. And these are the cheat codes that I want security programs to have right yes this is yeah, what so, I... like it should be video game logic where certain characters have unlocked certain abilities that not yeah. everyone has yeah right and that's you kind of get that with tesla's glowing red fists or whatever but i want the mm. bosses to have their own abilities and that's what i like about dyson here because i'm like what else can this guy do that's wild right yeah and so beck once he realizes the, the jig is up, he's like, oh, my God, they're looking right at the grate where I stashed the bomb. So he just, like, sets it off, and it starts beeping. And Dyson, instead of taking cover, just straight up runs up to the gate, reaches in, grabs the grenade, and throws it up past where Beck is hiding. <laughs> like Absolute just, boss. I'm like, wow, Dyson is a program of action. This is amazing he sees the bomb and he goes he picks it up and he hucks it he doesn't run from it i'm like that's that's some real steel right there yeah when i first watched this episode i remember being a little disappointed because i'm a big clue fan and uh, and by the way clue the track from the soundtrack ah my favorite i think i've listened to the most because it's just the perfect villain song but uh yeah i was disappointed that he was not the character or focus in this episode like who's this other dyson like why do you have to create another character and then mary sue him insert him yeah into other scenes but no 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 he definitely owns his place he is so badass yeah. and yeah. i think it makes sense that it's not clue because i I, I don't know. I think Clue's kind of bringing in the big bad a little too early, perhaps. Sure. And it's yeah. this is a little bit beneath him. No, I agree. I agree. This is like the the next level. This is like okay, this is Clue's lieutenant, so you know things are really getting serious. Mm. And, I imagine how they would have planned this out is you know, if let's say it went for three seasons, three season three is probably where Clue would be an active character that yeah. Tron interacted with. Yeah, I think you're right. So Dyson stares at Beck's hiding place, but keeps walking and he puts it together. He's like, wait a second. That was a smoke bomb. That wasn't a, like a shrapnel grenade bomb. So why was that a smoke bomb? So now he's mm. like sort of twigged, like he's putting the, he's, he's so smart. So he's putting the pieces together like, huh? Okay. Interesting. And Paige and Pavel reveal that it's probably the renegade and that, hey, some people think that the renegade is Tron. And Dyson's like, oh, no, 
No, no, no, no, no. It's not Tron. I watched Tron die. And Pavel yeah. and Paige are both like, say what? Like, you knew Tron? And back overhears this and it's like, uh, oh my gosh, what is going on? So, and then we get that flashback. This is the tie-in scene. Yes, which, uh, Adagio for Tron, another favorite of mine. Yes, great, great music. But then we, so it's a scene where uh, that great, I'm glad they kept that line in there when he's like, you wanted me to create the perfect world. Yeah. And Jeff's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> this great, like, sure, man. You know, he's got that great delivery. And then, uh, and then, but then it looks God, like. That reminds me of just interactions with my mother and I, because she's very casual and I, I'm quite robotic. And just, I have, especially as a child, wording things in a very robotic way, because I just didn't realize you're not supposed to talk like that. And yeah, then her response is yeah, basically like that. Yeah. So that's a really cool moment. But then we see that it was Dyson who sent in the troops to murder Flynn and Tron. So Flynn escapes, but oh, Clue, he was there Clue, all along. It was it was Dyson all along, and then yeah, Clue stands over a wounded Tron, with a now healed Dyson, repaired to quote unquote perfection by Clue. I am a little creeped out by the way he touches his face. I don't know yeah. why it's like him. He's touching the opposite hand, like up, yeah, the opposite hand to the side of his face, and it yeah. just—it's creepy. No, it's, don't like it. It's very weird. It's like he's touching a polished statue or something that he made. It's a, it's yes. a very. He's been Frankensteined and he's been like shined up and now, but he hasn't been made <laughs> like he hasn't, he, they haven't repair him mentally. He's like, if anything, he's even further down the path of like kill all the ISOs, right? Yeah. He's I so, mean, Clue wouldn't see that as a problem. So. No, I think that's by design for sure. But he's fully Clues now. He belongs to Clue and Tron's chest is destroyed uh, uh has... yeah another great uh animation detail is there's all oh, these yeah. little glowing pixels coming out of his chest and he's lying on a pile of other red pixels it's amazing yeah it's to it's so cool i wanted more damage from uh from the from i want more i, I love how damage is represented in the in the grid but Flynn's... i don't know why but facial injuries always freak me out the most and i oh I, yeah I'm just that vein is that my worst name oh two things either Facial disfigurement or going blind. Those are the two things that I just recurring nightmares for me and yeah. would never want them to happen. Now well, I've said it, it's probably going to happen. Ah, intense, crap. <laughs> they're, they're intensely scary things, right? No matter how you slice it for everybody. And, and it's it's wonderful to see them represented in this non-gory but still very affecting way. Yeah, and, well, I guess uh, it... Well, it's like you're wearing your pain on your face quite literally. Yeah. And it's the part of your of you that represents your identity and how you're seen by yeah. other people so yeah and it's I guess also it the part of you that interacts with everybody so if you want mm -hmm. to interact with somebody they have no choice but to look at the damage so like yeah whereas if you lose a finger or so i i was talking to a guy for like an hour he, he was repairing something in our house when i was a kid and um like he's a really cool guy so we were just talking about all sorts of stuff and did not realize until about an hour later that he did not have his uh ring finger on his left hand i think it was because like who looks at that yeah no i've taught i've known people for years before i'm like oh half of your pinky is like gone <laughs> you know like because you just don't I yeah. think it's because we, well, most people tend to be expressive with their hands. They don't stay still. You you talk with your hands. Yeah. And even if they've done it for a long, even if they've had that injury for a long time, they know how to, you know, either hide it or, or it doesn't look unnatural in terms of mm. movement. Right. But anyway, but then this well, is the part that I don't understand. Well, that's one of those things in understand. animation they take uh, advantage of is, you know, animating characters with only four fingers in total, including the thumb. Or even less, because like, no, people don't really notice it as long as you get the general shape. Yeah, exactly, right. But then Clue kneels down and decapitates Tron, uh, or he—he—it's like in Legacy. He brings the disc up mm. and he brings the disc down, and it's a really Ugh, just the visuals and everything. The visuals so are great, star. but it really seems like a coup de gras. And I thought in this episode we would find out why Tron isn't dead. But that's not mm. uh, that's not something that gets revealed right yeah. here. Yeah, 
Because well, you think Clue would kill him. Not just yet. I think Clue would kill him and then like be really sure about it, not just like, well, that wound will probably kill him. Let's leave. Mm. Like they, you think he would be a hundred percent about it. So I don't know why. Well, maybe he's just like, I want you to suffer. Maybe that's up Clue's alley for sure. I'm surprised that Clue hasn't really tried to turn people against Flynn because, as we were saying, that whole idea of Flynn doesn't seem to see programs as people and all that sort of stuff and doesn't seem to have their best interests at heart. And yeah, there's a clue could absolutely make that argument very easily. And then you've got Tron being the true believer and having that kind of conflict between those two parties. That would have been great. Yeah. And they sort of touched on it in legacy, but I wanted, I wanted more of that. You know, your God has left you. I am your God now. Why was Tron legacy, not just freaking paradise lost why yeah. would you do this to me? Yeah, that's what that's what it was. And Joseph Kaczynski. Anyway. Oh, well. There was so much that was good about uh, Legacy. It's a couple things that really stick in my craw about it, but so much of it was good. But then we cut yeah, back. Yeah, it's like, it's a, yeah. it's set in a really great world, great characters, all that, and then you just, you just focus on the wrong thing. It, it would be like if Star Wars was just focused on Luke cleaning droids and playing with toy tie fighters <laughs> whatever the hell it was yeah yeah i guess so but we uh we cut back to grumpy tron and his hideout and he's snarling grumpy tron yes grumpy tron and this is i guess this is what i wanted to see in the legacy movie was some shots of a youngified box lightner tron but with a huge face scar like dyson had yeah to show that he's like super damaged and not smart anymore even though he's a still a great fighter so i needed i needed that i needed to see why tron was working for clue i needed to see the damage that was evident that would allow him to work for clue like there's all these close-ups of tron's motorcycle helmet in the movie that i think were supposed to represent him wrestling morally on some level internally mm. but it didn't work for me because i couldn't see his face all it was was lingering shots of his motorcycle helmet and i was like I yeah don't... the mandalorian does it really well in terms of it's Actually, true there's a full fat video i think on youtube that talks about how you tell stories with characters who are masked and ah oh, mandalorian just nails it and it's all down to editing camera yeah. angles timing yeah. yeah but there was something about it in, in legacy that didn't come across for me so when he's like i fight for the users at the end and does a hard left in his light jet to me that was a non sequitur I don't think, and I talk about this in my other podcast, Legacy Minute, I don't think the physical performance for Rinsler was nuanced enough. Obviously, they got someone who's really good at all the stunts, but I don't think, they, you know, they weren't like a Doug Jones who really knows how to use their body as yeah. a means of communication. You know, yeah. Doug Jones, uh, The Shape of Water, for example, he's wearing a rubber mask that doesn't really articulate all that much, or at least not by human standards. Yeah. And yet he's a romantic lead in The Shape of Water, you know? Yeah, right. It's all about how you just move your shoulders or your hands. Yeah. No, or just I, I, com I completely just... concur. It didn't come across. Uh, it it could have but I, I don't mm. think it did. But we Beck returns to Tron's hideout now with no Dyson. No Dyson. And uh, <laughs> no Beck Dyson. is like, Beck says straight up, I'm not going to let you kill Dyson for revenge. I know that you know Dyson and whatever's going on here, you're making me be part of your murder squad and I'm not into it. And so mm. Tron literally shocks Beck into unconsciousness steals he back does a thanos fine I'll yeah do it myself i'll do it myself steals back his half of the disc turning white and saying i didn't ask your permission and then leaves and like so badass that's the end high stakes a rift in the team of good and that's the cliffhanger ending of part one of uh scars which is uh He's so good pretty cool and this is like halfway through the season so yeah, I think this is the longest episode we've done. We talked for an hour about this, and it's just mm, so many ideas, so many concepts. A lot of meat, a lot of meat. And I love these. I love Dyson because he's like a smart villain. Like it's like in uh, mm. Spider-Man: Homecoming, right? Like when the when mm. when the vultures in the front seat, and Peter Parker's yes. in the back, and the daughter's like, "Where'd you go when Spider-Man showed up?" And he's like, "Oh, I was stuck in 
the bathroom or I went to get help or something. And there's just a moment where the vulture is like, oh, you're Spider-Man. Yeah. Just like, and I'm, I was such, I was like, I, I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to see that in a movie where I'm like, oh my God, he actually put the super obvious puzzle pieces together quickly oh, yes. because he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love smart villains and i think well a friend of mine keeps mentioning uh what is that show uh oh i'm blanking on the name of it but like well the creator himself actually called it competence porn and it's like oh, uh it's like a detective show like a crime show i've never breaking bad or something no um but that is competence porn as well um oh it's gonna come back to me when went like before i could have been well we could, we could, we could not... bring it up in part two here that'll be that'll be our yeah, cliffhanger what it is. tune in tune yeah. in next week when we'll you remember what, the hell what that, show, that show was yeah but just where every single character is on top form they're acting as you feel you would act in that situation or, or greater than yeah and yeah i mean that's what's exciting mean, uh Okay, we don't talk about House of Cards anymore because of Kevin Spacey, but House of Cards, yes. Oh, edge of your seat because everyone's just so intelligent and the plans are so complicated and clever and just, ah. It's hard to write for something like Mm. that. Like, I think that's one of the problems with Batman is his whole thing is intelligence and all of his villains are intelligent. And then you have to write a trap for batman you have to write it's kind of like can god make a rock so big that he can't lift it like can you write a trap for the batman that would be smart enough that the batman would actually fall into it you know that's why i love bane bane is probably my favorite batman villain because if people write him correctly yeah they he he should be basically on par with batman so you got that moriarty sherlock holmes thing yeah i'm all about it Right when it when it works, it's really well done. But so that's the end of this one. Uh, we're going to get into part two of Scars next time, and I'm really looking forward to it. This has uh, been a cracking start to a fantastic two-parter with a fantastic character that's introduced in the form of Dyson. And uh, we're really we're really underway now. We're really cooking with gas now. We're really getting into the world. Uh, it just it hurts me because. It makes me wish there was more, because obviously it could have been just like leading all the way up into Tron Legacy. You yeah. Get all the stuff with Clue. You get the downfall of Tron. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's getting it's getting kind of Firefly up in here for me. You know, I'm like oh, one oh season. yeah, very much so. Yeah, we were like, oh, I'm just gonna watch uh, Firefly again. You know, what a good old time. And then you remember just how great it was. And then you, th- there's only two episodes left. And then you go, oh, God, I'm doing it to myself again. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Animatronic. I've been Duncan Shields. And I have been Courtney Colson. And tune in next time for another episode of Animatronic. End, End of, of line. line.